Welcome to A Flame for Christ, homilies to set your heart on fire with love for Jesus Christ. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and you've joined us on this third Sunday of Lent. Have you ever received a gift that's just a total miss? Growing up, I had an aunt who totally just checked it in and brought, bought all of her nephews socks for Christmas. But they weren't like good socks either. It was just like a cheap package of tube socks from Kmart. Now, I suppose I should have been grateful, but truthfully, I felt like she didn't care enough to even bother. And you know, when we get someone a gift, we have to consider what type of gift they would really enjoy. And so it is with God. When we offer him worship, we have to offer him the worship that he truly desires. In the first reading today, God is clear about how not to worship him. He says, do not worship me by making any kind of graven image. You know, unlike the other gods of the surrounding nations, the Lord did not want Israel to make a statue of their God. And of course, we know how that ended up. Just a few chapters later, Israel constructs the golden calf. Now, people often misinterpret the golden calf scene. The golden calf was not meant to be idolatry. They weren't trying to worship a different God. They were trying to worship the true God, but in a way that he expressly forbade. In fact, Aaron said when he made the golden calf, he said, This is your God, O Israel. This is the one who led you out of Egypt. So they were trying to worship Yahweh. But rather than this being pleasing to God, it was very offensive to him. Because he told them specifically, Do not make an image of me. So God had to give them very strict instructions on how to worship. In the Old Testament, he spends chapter after chapter detailing how they were to offer sacrifice, what type of vestments the priests had to wear, how the altar was to look, how the feasts were to be celebrated. You see, God had to teach his people how to worship. And then comes Jesus to give us a whole new way to worship, as evidenced by today's scene in the gospel. You know, this too is often misinterpreted, right? Jesus doesn't cleanse the temple because he has a problem with money changers per se, it was necessary in the temple because Roman money, which the Jews were forced to use, bore the image of Caesar, who declared himself to be God. And so obviously they couldn't use a coin with pagan imagery in the temple, so it was necessary to exchange it for temple money, which didn't contain that imagery. But that's, So that's not why Jesus cleansed the temple. He had no issue with the money changers per se. Rather, it's two other reasons. First, one of the reasons is where the money changers were located. They were set up in a part of the temple called the Court of the Gentiles, a place for non-Jews who were seeking the Lord could come and pray. And so in essence, Jesus is trying to show the Jews that fitting worship could be offered by Gentiles, by non-Jews, and that they needed a quiet and respectful place to do it. And this was a foreshadowing of his mission, which was going to be not just to the Jews, but opening salvation to all nations. But the other reason why Jesus cleanses the temple is because he's trying to pave the way for a new way to worship. Remember, this event occurs three days before the Last Supper. So he's showing the Jews that there's going to be a new, purer temple, the temple of his body, which he's going to offer on the cross and then give us to eat in the Holy Eucharist. You see, worshiping God rightly is important. First, it demonstrates profound obedience to God when we worship him the way he wants to be worshiped. It's a great story from 1 Samuel when King Saul is instructed by God to conquer a certain town that had oppressed Israel. And God was very clear that Saul had to destroy everything in the town lest the townspeople come back and claim the property and be, grow rich and become their hearts being strayed from the Lord and start to wallow in greed. But Saul decides rather to keep the sheep and oxen alive so that they could be offered in sacrifice to God. But God is displeased with Saul for doing so, even though Saul wanted to do something good for the Lord, but he disobeyed the Lord's command. 
And so God sends the prophet Samuel to reprimand him, saying, quote, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed him is better than the fat of rams. So has the Lord told us how to worship him? Has he given us those instructions? He did. When he said, do this in remembrance of me. That was at the Last Supper when he instituted the Holy Eucharist. So the Mass is how God is properly and fittingly worshipped. But a second reason why we need to worship God in the proper way is because it helps to order our life properly. You know, there's a principle in the church called lex orandi lex credendi. It means that the way we worship becomes the way we believe, and the way we believe becomes the way we act. So when we have a right relationship with God, ordered properly, then the rest of our life becomes ordered properly as well. And I know some of us here in this church today feel like our lives are chaos. You know, like we're stressed and we're over busy and we're anxious. If that's the case, the first place to look for a solution is in the foundations. Is our relationship with God rightly ordered? Many years ago, former Wall Street journalist Rod Dreher was feeling that modern chaos. He was under so much pressure with deadlines at work and pressures at home and stress. And so he went to his parish priest for help. And his priest told him, if you wish to get better and find peace, you must pray for an hour a day. And he said, that's, that's impossible. I have too much to do. There's no way. There's no time to pray that much. So the priest responded, do you have time for a nervous breakdown? And the point was made. And so Rod began to cultivate a serious prayer life, and he found that peace which had been so elusive to him. So what does all this mean for us? Two things. First, if we want a rightly ordered life with less stress and greater peace, it begins with a right relationship with God, one which is grounded in weekly mass, regular confession, daily prayer. Everything in our life flows from this foundation of right worship. Second, though, it means that any authentic spirituality has to be Eucharistic-centered, since the Lord has told us that that's the proper way to worship him. Sometimes people will seek that inner peace through a lot of esoteric ways, right? Through Eastern meditation or through yoga or positive thinking or being spiritual but not religious, or even sometimes uh, more extreme types of spiritualism like psychics or Wicca or other such practices. But aside from being sinful, these practices do not, do not lead us into a right relationship with God. You know, not every spiritual path leads to God. Many spiritual paths lead to nowhere, and some to a connection with evil spirits and demons. So only we can be sure that we are on a spiritual path that leads to God if we obey the way in which he told us to worship, which is here, in the body and blood in the Eucharist, and through the spiritual exercises that have been practiced for centuries in our church. My friends, what an incredible gift we have, that our Lord has told us how we can please him, how best we can worship him. This not only gives us peace, but really it reveals the depths of his love for us. Because as Mother Teresa once said, when you look at the crucifix, you understand how much Jesus loved you then. But when you look at the sacred host in the Eucharist, you understand how much Jesus loves you now.